Hello, greetings, thanks for joining us today. My name's Ethan and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. In Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 34, Paul says to the elders of the church in Ephesus, You yourselves know that these hands minister to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's a very important saying preserved here. The saying of Jesus not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but something that is completely consistent with the kinds of things Jesus did say, and of course with the way that Jesus lived. And it is this fundamental powerful truth about the Christian life and the way we should be living as Christians, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Christianity uh, is understood by many people in terms of the types of giving that people give, that people are to give, and they are to look at Christians as people who are giving people. Today it's good to look why is that, and how should we give that we may glorify God in Christ. Well, giving is so important because one of the things is it's commanded. We see here that Paul is enjoining the statement of Jesus as an indication that the elders of the church should be embodying this and teaching others to do that also. When Jesus first sent out uh, his disciples in Matthew 10 to go and um, proclaim the good news of the kingdom, uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, they were to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. You're supposed to give, uh, give the message, give if they had anything they could give to others. At the end of that chapter, Matthew 10 and verse 42, And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Commendation of giving. In Ephesians 4 and in verse 28, Paul enjoins, Let the thief no longer steal, but let him rather labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. The idea there of giving. And we're going to come back to that and why it's so important. So yes, we've been commanded to give. But the fact that we've been commanded to give is not the only story. Christians are to give because God has given us so much in Jesus. Matthew 20, 25-28, when Jesus is trying to explain to his disciples how the kingdom of God is very different from the way the things are in the world, that whoever would be great among you must be your servant, whoever would be first among you must be your slave, this is all because uh, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The whole compelling story is God gave of his Son, his Son gave of his life that we might live, and if we're going to follow after God, we're going to have to give uh, as God has given to us. The same Apostle Paul, as he's encouraging the Corinthians in their giving in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, uh, begins commenting in verse 9. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So God has given abundantly to us, and therefore we are to give. 
another very powerful passage in 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 16. John says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Here John's provided a more negative image of what happens to the one who does not give, who has things to give, sees his fellow Christian, of all people, in a state of need, but doesn't give. John asks, how can the love of God abide in him? The idea is the love of God does not abide in him. And so it is an exhortation. If we don't want to be like that guy, we need to give as God has given to us. And this is how we can... Be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect in Matthew 5 and verse 48. There's another interesting idea about giving here. We saw a little bit in 2 Corinthians 9. It's part of what Jesus has to say in Matthew 13, 12. An interesting phrase he says a few times. Um, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Seems kind of strange to look at that. What does it have to do with giving? The guy who has more gets more. The one who has very little, even what he has is taken away. We, actually, this seems to be the problem in the world, that the those who have, have more, and those who do not have, have nothing at all. Uh, and that that's absolutely true. But when we look again at 2 Corinthians 9, 6 and 9 through 12, part of the idea is uh, God gives these blessings. God gives that we can give. If we give, uh, God may give more to us that we can give more. And so... Um, if we trust all is from God and we give according to his purposes, he will bless us uh, in some way or another. But if we hold on and do not give, we will find that in the end we will lose even what we thought that we had. But even these high lofty things, there's the important thing. We give because other people have need and we have an opportunity to meet that need. In Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under the basket, but on a stand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. People will see the good things that we're doing and they'll glorify God for it. Part of that good thing is going to be giving, providing for the needs of others. For the saints, it provides the comfort and encouragement that we're supposed to give to each other as members of the body of Christ. To those of the world, it gives an opportunity to speak of spiritual things and to thank God, to recognize there is a God, and to give Him the glory. We also consider John chapter 6. You shouldn't take it too far because it didn't turn out well, and so it's kind of a lesson for us. But Jesus saw the people hungry, and he fed them the physical food so that there was an opportunity to provide the spiritual sustenance as well. So absolutely, Christians are to give. Who are they supposed to give to? Who is supposed to be the beneficiary of it? Well, there's a very blunt answer in Matthew 5 and verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse one who would borrow from you. So anyone who asks us. In Galatians 6 and verse 10, Paul encourages the Galatian Christians to do good to everybody as you have opportunity, especially to the household of faith. This means that we need to be careful about having some kind of arbitrary standard of worthiness. 
that we're supposed to be giving to one another regardless of status. And we need to be careful lest we do not show mercy on those whom God would have us show mercy. And this can be displayed in multiple ways. The way it's classically demonstrated is that we decide that certain people, because of things they have done or, or situations in which they find themselves, have rendered them unworthy and unfit of further assistance. But you can imagine a situation that's just as pernicious where we think that somebody is uh, doing well enough that they are no longer worthy of any support or need to be met because they have attained to a certain status. Uh, both of those are equally false. We're supposed to give. We're not told uh, to give only to a certain group of people. Uh, we are to give concern for those who are in need and those who are in distress, uh, widows and orphans uh, in, in James 1 verse 27, uh, those who are in need uh, in other circumstances. Um, the New Testament is full of examples of Christians giving. Uh, Jesus is constantly assisting those of Israel. His whole ministry involves uh, proclaiming the good news, casting out demons, healing the sick, providing for the poor. Uh, that's all he did. You can see over and over again in the gospel narrative. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4, we're told that the early Christians in Jerusalem, in that extraordinary circumstance, they sold all the things they had and gave it to the apostles who uh, made sure that all went without having any needs. Everybody's needs were taken care of. In Acts 11, 28-30, the church in Antioch heard of a famine coming and sent relief to the church in Judea, in Jerusalem. And in 2 Corinthians 8 9, we've already read from chapter 9, Paul there is trying to encourage the Christians of Achaia, Corinth and the province of Achaia to be ready to give as the churches of Macedonia had already given for the relief of uh, needy saints in Jerusalem. In Philippians 4, 15-19, uh, Paul commends the church in Philippi because they had given to him according to need uh, and beyond at times as well. Now we noticed these examples of giving are mostly individuals who help individuals or churches helping churches or churches helping their own. We don't have examples of individuals giving to organizations. And that's been one of the big challenges in the modern world is that most of the doing good that seems to go on has been institutionalized. It is mediated through various uh, charities or nonprofits, uh, NGOs, things of that nature. And it's not necessarily that it's sinful to give to such organizations, but uh, it, it gets away from a lot of what is supposed to go on in giving. It's very bad if we kind of just essentialize giving of taking money I have, giving it to people to help other people. Uh, that is a form of giving, but it's a very indirect form of giving. Because giving's not about a mere transaction. It's about a relationship within which there can be uh, mutuality. There's a mutual benefit involved in giving. Uh, if you give to money to give some organization for them to have people help people, good may things may have been done, but you've not been able to build a relationship with the people that are receiving the assistance. You're not able to turn it beyond just whatever immediate physical need may be in the circumstance. You're not able to develop a mutually beneficial uh, relationship where you might also benefit from, from such people as they benefit from you, and you certainly don't have an opportunity to be able to communicate any sort of spiritual message through that kind of, of giving. And so we need to make sure that even if we're giving to charities and things, we ha take opportunities to provide for the needs of people 
that we actually come into contact with, that we use that as a way to build relationships. And it's very important to make it very clear that giving is not about patronizing people. And that's a big problem that always comes with giving. Uh, giving, a lot of people give because that puts them in what they feel a superior position. Ah, see, I have all these things. I am so great. I am in this uh, superior position, so I will benefit those who are less fortunate or inferior based upon my largesse. Uh, the white savior complex, in, as it's been uh, demonstrated in many countries, uh, in many places, unfortunately to this day. Um, and that's so self-serving and, and so not the point. The idea is that we're giving, because God has given to us, and, and we understand that by God's grace we would be in the position where we would be in need. And to realize that it's not because we're better than other people. We have something where we can benefit others and we are willing to give of that and we'll find out that we receive in return when we have that kind of relationship. And so giving can't be about how great we are. Once it's about how great we are, it's no longer honoring God because we're really not great. Another important thing about giving, especially for Christians, is that giving to the local congregation is to be a part of our giving, but it's not supposed to be its entirety. Yes, 1 Corinthians 16, 1-3, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, and 1 Timothy 5 talk about Christians in local congregations setting up collections to give to Christians in need in other places, or to have some kind of perpetual uh, money available for widows indeed, people who are in constant need financially and whom the church is supposed to support. And yes, Christians need to give in these contexts. But even in 1 Timothy 5, if you notice, the whole premise at the end in verse 16 is that uh, let women who have widows in their family take care of them so that the church can provide for widows indeed, that it may not be burdened. So the idea even there is that the individual assisting is, 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 is better than for the church to have to come in to assist. Um, Nothing in 1 Corinthians 16 or 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 or any other passage is obvious. We saw in Matthew 5, 42 or Galatians 6, where it's Christians as individuals who are to give to others if they have opportunity. Yes, Galatians 6, 10 says we need to prioritize a household of faith. And sometimes the household of faith can be provided for by funds from the local the treasury of the local congregation. But we should not reduce giving of between Christians to be just Christians giving to the church who gives to people. Uh, the idea is that, no, Christians as individuals help Christians who are individuals. We do a lot of violence in the scriptures if we read, preach, and teach about giving and make it only and exclusively about the first day of the week collection. God in Christ expects a lot more of us than just what we give on the first day of the week, not only for the needs of the collective, but also to one another and to those in the world. And so that's what we need to consider when we consider our giving. So we see the kind of people we're supposed to give to, and what circumstances, what, what shall we give? So a lot of time we talk about giving, we're talking about money. You know, even in the previous conversation, we've assumed it's money. When we talk about giving, you know, giving to an organization or charity, if you show up with a cow, it may not be the best thing uh, for them to be able to kind of move to somewhere else or something of the sort. We've recognized that money is a great meat of exchange uh, for giving. And yes, we need to remember the poor in Galatians 2.10. That does involve providing for their needs, which involves money or buying the things they need to make sure they have them. So it's physical things. So when people come to us with needs, we ought to, to the best of our ability, do what we can to help them. 
and the church is able to support those within its fold, but individual responsibility is not abrogated thereby, as we saw in 1 Timothy 5 and verse 16. But giving is not only about money. In fact, giving is not even just about things. We can also give our time. One of those things about time is that it's, honestly, in the early 21st century, it's the most precious resource. Uh, a lot of people have a lot more money to give than they have of time. Time is so precious to us. We only have 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we all have that amount of time. Um, and so we all have the ability to give time, whether we uh, make very little or have a lot of money. And it's recognized as a very precious resource. And so when we spend time with other people, when we associate with other people, we're showing that they're important to us and we're important to them. And that can be very beneficial for all involved. There's a lot of things we can do with our time. We can talk with people. We can study with you. We can tell them about Jesus. Um, but sometimes just being there for people who are going through difficult times is enough. Sometimes people don't need the physical help. Or even if they need some physical help, that's the least of their needs. Um, a great example of this would be many in the homeless population. Uh, people in the homeless population are very creative in the ways that they're able to find enough to maintain material resources. There's ways of begging or scrounging, scavenging to find up enough money to find enough food to provide enough calories for the day. But they're invisible. And so a lot of times, just treating them as human beings, recognize them as human beings, talk to them as human beings, and not as irritants on the street, is a way of, of, of showing some time and some interest in people as human beings, and that, no, you are not invisible. No, you are not uh, less than human because of the situation in which you find yourself. And that can be, for instance, one way uh, that, that we can show people humanity with time. Another way, especially if somebody going through a period of grief or anxiety, uh, just sitting with somebody. You know, we always think we need to talk. Sometimes just being there, that there's another human being who cares enough for me that they have given me their time to be present with me and to sit and lament with me. That's powerful. For a lot of people, that's powerful. We think about that with children especially, you know. Uh, what do children want from their parents? Yeah, sure, toys are cool. But a lot of times they want time. They want time with their parents. And that's sometimes something parents feel like they don't have enough to give them. And, and how many uh, adults are walking around with a big wound, and that big wound is that mommy or daddy didn't spend enough time with me or didn't have enough time for me. And that significantly reduced their self-worth. So time is one of the powerful things we can give people to affirm their values, fellow humans, and to encourage them in their lives. Uh, we can use our abilities to help one another. And that's something we see often in Scripture, is that we've got all of these different abilities. In Romans chapter 12, and in verse 6, Paul says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes with generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 
10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, God has given us different abilities. We're not all the same. In fact, some people have more abilities than others. But the idea is, what are you going to do with it? So much of society anymore has said, okay, you've got things, go use them for your advantage so you can make material benefits and you can succeed. And to an extent, we are to use our gifts to go and, and to make a living, absolutely. But we're to use our gifts as Christians to benefit our fellow human beings, especially of the household of faith. And so we can help people. If you've got computer skills, there may be Christians who struggle with using computers, and you can provide them some inf information, some encouragement, some some ways of learning uh, to help them. Um, if, if Christians with trades always kind of walk a fine line because a lot of people would like to take advantage of that skill, um, and they do not get the remuneration that they perhaps need to continue to survive. But at the same time, if you're willing to volunteer the skills that you have, uh, that for which you receive remuneration in other contexts, that can be a very powerful thing, a very encouraging thing for people. Um, so, a lot of things that we can give. We can give of our time, we can give of our presence, we can give of our abilities, just as much as we can give of our money. And uh, so there's a very wide range in which Christians can give to be a benefit to others. So how? What kind of disposition should we be giving? The one thing that uh, Paul stresses about giving is that it's supposed to be done uh, cheerfully. It's supposed to be done uh, with thankfulness and as, as something that you want to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and in verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And he goes on, and we read uh, the rest of that passage earlier. So God loves the cheerful giver. So we should not begrudge giving. Uh, if we begrudge giving, what's the mentality issue? Why are we having problems giving over our money, time, abilities, presence? Well, it's mine. Well, is it really yours? God has given you all these things so that you can be a blessing to others, as we're going to see. Uh, Christians are to give also without fanfare. Again, so much we talked about earlier uh, about patronizing or acting like uh, I'm so great because I'm able to give and so I'm in a better position than you and uh, just kind of giving and, and doing such things. Jesus says in Matthew 6, uh, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret may reward you. So the idea here is that giving is not about being seen to give. If you're just giving to being seen to give, hey, look, he gives. He's a generous person. If that's what it, you're in it for, then you've got your reward. You have no standing before God about that. It's not about a show. It's not about uh, just being looking like something. God does not care about those things. God cares about what's in the heart. And that's why uh, Christians need to reorient their lives around giving to be a giving people. And that's the kind of message we've seen throughout. So we go back to that passage in Ephesians 4 and verse 28 that we mentioned earlier. Let the thief uh, steal no longer, but let him do work with his hands that he may have something to give to the one who is in need. 
And, and maybe there's something appropriate about bringing up the thief here. What's a thief do? He goes around taking things that aren't his. Somebody worked hard. He took it, the, the, the produce of their labor from them, and they are now suffering. And so the idea that now he works diligently, and the excess he has, he gives to people uh, where he involuntarily deprived others of their reward. He is now voluntarily depriving himself of his reward as a form of penance may be appropriate and certainly something to keep in mind. But it's also consistent with God's whole ethic. Why do we have more than what we need? Why does God give us more than we need? All that we need is food, shelter, clothing, right? Why do we have more than that? Well, it's a, it's a stewardship. It's an opportunity. What are we going to do with it? How are we going to look at these things? And this goes back to the, you know, why would we not want to give? If we don't want to give, it's because we may feel insecure. We may fear that we're going to be without. We need to take it. And we need to hoard it. We need to build it up so that we have reserves. Um, and, you know, some saving concepts are very important and things we need to keep in mind. But again, what's our ethic about it? What, what, why are we so afraid of, 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 of helping other people? We may be afraid, well, they didn't work hard, now they're getting the benefit of what I did while I worked hard. Well, sure, but it goes back to the fact that ultimately God gave to all of us even though we didn't deserve it. God gives abundantly beyond our need, not that we could build bigger barns, but that we have something to give to those in need. And that is completely different than the world's ethic right now. We're in this materialist, consumerist culture, which says everything that you have and more you need and you deserve to use for your benefit. And really, sure, you might get a nice shiny new toy uh, or that or, or something or other, but really it's the corporations, it's the people who are making more money. And they get more as well. And that's what really drives it. Uh, so we're, we're, we're conditioned by our culture, look at our lives in terms of want, not blessing, that we're only focused on the things that we, we are in want of. We, we focus on what we don't have, as opposed to focusing on what God has blessed us with and how we are abundantly uh, provided for. And so our entire worldview has been shaped by the world, if we let, we've let the world shape our worldview, uh, to be the opposite of giving. Uh, we need to turn that around. We need to repent. We need to change our hearts and minds and orient ourselves more to giving, to be intentional about giving, to make it something that we do, even to the point of extravagance, not because we think we're better than other people, not because we're trying to be show-offs, but because we realize, hey, God has blessed me so that I can be a blessing. We even need to be careful of, of that's, that 2 Corinthians 9, 6, that uh, we, we absolutely can see that those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly. Uh, it's too often that this other half of that passage, though, if you sow uh, bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So the more you give, the more you'll receive. And what you're, what's really going on there is, is almost a covetous message. You want more? Well, give more, and God will give you more. Well, you've missed it with the original question. Want more is not what we're after if we're in Christ. In Christ, it's not about want more. In Christ, it's about want God. God has given you abundantly so you can give to others. And that should break down all of our hesitances about giving, all of our insecurities about giving, so that we can willingly give on the first day of the week, willingly give to those who are in need, willingly give uh, at any opportunity we have, because we know God has given so much for, to me. I need to be a blessing to others. And however God blesses me is great, and we trust that we will reap bountifully because we have sowed bountifully, but not 
for the point of receiving as much as simply knowing that we have been good stewards of what God has given us. How can I become a blessing because of all the blessings I have received? Should be a dominant question in our hearts and minds. So yes, Christians are to be giving people. We give because we have been commanded to and we follow the example of our Lord. By helping others, we can comfort them in the faith or show them the love of Christ through us. And we give to all men, especially those of the household of faith, and we can give of anything that we have, money, time, abilities, presence, whatever. We are to give liberally, cheerfully, and without fanfare. We are to, to develop the mindset of giving, seeing all that we have as ways to benefit others. And, and yet there's this other thing on the horizon that we're supposed to keep in mind that uh, reinforces why giving is so important. On the Day of Judgment, it is envisioned by Jesus in Matthew 26. 25, excuse me. That when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Yes, there's a lot more going on on the Day of Judgment than just how you gave or didn't give to other people. But this portrayal uh, that Jesus gives in Matthew 25, 31 through 46, is very powerful for many reasons. Uh, one of the biggest reasons that I see is that in this judgment scene, it's vision that everyone in, in the dialogue are Christians. Both those who are on the right and those who are left both cry out, Lord, when did we see you in this condition? The righteous did not even realize they were doing it for Jesus. They were just doing it to, because they knew they were supposed to do it. The unrighteous, if they had known that they were doing it for Jesus, or that they were doing it to Jesus, if it were Jesus in front of them, they would have done it. But they did not see Jesus in the fellow man who was in need. And if you think about it, our big problem is that we try to find reasons to not find Jesus or see Jesus in the person in front of us who is in need. And we need to stop that. We need to help the one in need, especially the least of these, our fellow Christians. And stop finding reasons to judge them. Stop finding reasons to find unworthiness in them. Because as we have done it to the least of those among us, we have done it to Jesus. As we have not done it to those 
among the least of us. We have not done it for Jesus. And so, let us turn away from our materialistic consumerist mindset where it's all about how much more can I get and turn to God in Christ to say, God has given me so much. How can I take what God has given me and give to others so as to be a blessing? This message has benefited you. We really encourage you and like for you to share it with your friends or family, neighbors and others on social media and other ways. If you have any questions or comments about anything that you've you've heard or you'd like to discuss these things in greater detail, you've got a prayer request, uh, any way we can be of service to you. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can check us out online at benetrichofchrist.org. We're also on many forms of social media. If I can be of any service, please uh, reach out to me at my website, deverbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. Again, thank you. Have a great day.